1: Uh, It's so good to see all of you who are here with us in person. Welcome to all of you who are joining us online, whether you're live in person, live online, listening or watching to the podcast later on. Know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved before you showed up today or before you logged in whenever you're joining us today, and so we're so grateful for this time that we have together. As Thomas just mentioned, we are entering into a brand new series called Seasons. Now. Some of us, when we think of seasons, it's very simple uh, regarding just the seasons of the year, that for many of us, this is the back to school season uh, in which we're going to back to school meetings. It's a season in which we're figuring out, students are figuring out classes and new teachers and navigating what homework looks like after a break during summer. For some of us, uh, this season is coming up, um, we think of fall specifically, and we think about, okay, back to school. Maybe some of us, we start to think about um, football season coming. Or we think of baseball season entering into the final few uh, months of the year, final month of the year. Um, none of you cheered for that, so I guess I'm the only one, that's cool. Uh, we also, maybe some of you think fall's coming up, and I remember uh, I was, this past week I was gonna go uh, to Starbucks, got uh, some lunch, and I see plastered on the side of their door, it's like pumpkin spice coming August 30th. And you're like, no matter what happens, the more things change in our world, the more people will get, um, over-exaggeratedly excited about pumpkin spice in the fall like this is just a rite of passage now i want to say a phrase um and i want to see if you guys know this phrase or you know how it ends if i were to start off a phrase that says the more things change how does that end the more they stay the same Excellent. the more things change the more they stay the same. So again, no matter how much how crazy our lives have been over the past several years, how much things have changed, how many different things we're navigating, anxieties and worries, we know that when fall comes, that's back to school. We know that sports seasons change. We know that pumpkin spice will invade every aspect of our lives. We know these things, the more they change, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Now, uh, we're going to do a, a three-minute history lesson. Uh, let's go back to the previous uh, slide for a second. Um, where I don't know if you all know where that phrase originally came from. I know some of you may know, like, oh, I know I've heard that. It's in a song somewhere. It did not originate with Bon Jovi. I know that's a shock to many of you. Um, but it actually originated from a man named Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Carr. Um, I don't know how to speak French. I just said it fast enough that hopefully it fooled you all. But here's where it came from. Uh, this next picture, this slide shows Napoleon I and Napoleon III. Now, um, Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Carr wrote this in 1849 and earlier, about 50 years prior to that, Napoleon I, who's the Napoleon that we all uh, know much more about, um, he ended up, there was, a, there was a revolution and he ended up fighting wars and he eventually um, was, um, what do you call it, um, exiled to Elba. But he was someone that came to power through a revolution, made himself in charge, and then eventually that, a revol- another revolution came shortly thereafter. Now he had a son, but then his nephew, Napoleon Third, in 1848 ended up coming and he was another Napoleon, another Napoleon Bonaparte who came in after a revolution and made himself in charge. And so Jean-Baptiste Alphonse Carr is writing this and he's a, he's a satirical writer. He's someone who's looking at this and he's thinking, here in the midst of revolutions, multiple revolutions in a 50-year span, no matter how many much has things seem to have changed, revolution, political parties changing, all these dynamics, the more they stay the same because there's a Napoleon who's made himself in charge. And so this was kind of a satirical and, and, a, um, and a little bit of a pessimistic view. And this is where the quotation is, the more things change, the more they stay the same. The mindset behind it is that So many things can be different, and yet some of these things still remain. Now, this can happen for things like we've talked about that are silly. For our home, uh, we've lived in our um, place in Escondido for about three and a half years now, and it seems that we always enter into a season where we have some sort of water problems. If you've been with us for a while, you know we had like three water issues within the first 11 months of living there, and they were all kind of— unforeseen they just happened Uh, we had another one a little bit ago and then this past Tuesday uh, there was water that was just gushing out of our where the main line was from the city going into our home it started just gushing out and so it's like oh cool we're dealing with water issues again now thankfully uh, we had a plumber who was able to fix it within the next uh, day or two but it was another season just like just when you think you're past something here it comes again now what I want to wanna, wanna posit is that today as we unpack this sermon, as we enter into this new series, we're going to look at the fact that this phrase, the more things change, the more they stay the same, was originally meant or was originally written out of satire and pessimism. And yet what would it look like for us to recognize that the more things change in our lives, there are some things that are the same. There are some things that we can hold fast to. There are some things that no matter what season we are in in our lives that we can grasp onto, lean into, and draw closer to the Lord through. And so what I want to enter into is this series or this sermon is called The More Things Change. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3 in a couple of moments. But as you're turning there, I would ask that you would join me in a word of prayer. As we enter into a new series, a new sermon, and all of you, I know, are entering into this morning's service, coming into a different, from a different season, you are experiencing something that I can't possibly know all of what you're going through, all of what you're wrestling through, all of what you're rejoicing about, and maybe all that you're mourning about, but there is one who does know this, and may the Lord meet you here in this morning. May he speak to you in the season that you are currently in. May you hear his voice in a way that only he can speak. And may we have the eyes and the ears and the heart to be open to what it is that God has for us. Yes, through this sermon, but throughout this series as we unpack what it's like to have different seasons in our walk with God. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who is here as part of our service, whether that's here live in the room, live watching online or listening or watching later throughout the week. God, I pray that they know they are prayed for, cared for, and loved. I pray that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of them, Lord. May I decrease and may you increase. May we have the eyes, the ears, and the hearts that are open to what you have for us today. And may we know That your love for us does not change dependent or contingent upon what season we are in. But Lord, your love is an everlasting, eternal, unconditional, and incredible, beautiful type of love that we can experience in relationship with you. So Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time we have together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and we're going to unpack a couple of points about seasons. And so these are kind of straightforward notes, but um, I want us to to take a look at this section together because what we're going to do is look at Ecclesiastes 3 this week, and then we're going to unpack each season over the next four consecutive weeks. And so this is kind of setting the groundwork for where we're going. And so stay with me as we unpack this passage together because the first thing we want to mention is that seasons are biblical. That's very simple, right? Like that's. But I think sometimes... We will go through difficult times, and we think that something must be wrong. We think that maybe God has forgotten us. We think that perhaps he's forsaken us, and yet we see from the context and from the words of God's word that seasons are biblical. We ought to expect ups and downs, highs and lows, summers and falls, and winters and springs. And so here's Ecclesiastes 3, starting in verse 1, we have 1 through 8 all on one slide. Um, We're not going to unpack every single comparison. So if it's a little hard to read, we're not going to unpack each and every one. But we're going to leave that up for a few moments. Verse 1 says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Or under the heavens. I want to pause right there. The word time just means the beginning of a period. So there is a beginning period in which we experience various different aspects of our lives. When it says there's a time for everything, that's everything that includes man's activity and how things affect people. So whatever you're experiencing, there is a beginning of that season. There is a time in which we wrestle with doubt. There is a time in which we rejoice because we can feel God's abundance. There is a time that we are grieving over losses. There is a time in which we are just feeling God's pleasure. And everything in between. There is a time. Now, the next part is that there is a season for every activity. There's a season, and a season is a definite closed period of time. It's a fixed period of time. Now, when it comes to our seasons, we know that March around between the 19th and the 21st is the start of spring. June 19th through the 21st is the start of summer. September 19th through the 21st is the start of fall, and that December... 19th to the 21st is the start of winter when we talk about seasons around us it's a very fixed and we we can call it when it is and we start this is when it starts this is when it ends but when God's talking about seasons here they are fixed they are definite it's not a forever thing and yet we don't always know how long these seasons are going to last Some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I have been in a season of winter and grieving and loss for years and it feels like God has forgotten me. Some of you are thinking, I've been enjoying God's blessings for a while now and yet I'm so afraid of when the season's going to end because I know there's going to be difficult times that we don't even enjoy the blessing while they're occurring because we're afraid of the loss before it happens. We don't know how long these seasons will be, but God determines them. God knows how long. And we're going to unpack that in a few moments with one of our points later on the sermon. But we need to know that there is a beginning of a fixed period. There's a time for a fixed period, a season, for everything, for every activity, every experience, every emotion, every struggle, every high, every low, every ebb, every flow. There's a season for all of it, and, and In Ecclesiastes, the teacher who is Solomon writes it this way. He says, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Some of you are just listening to that. There is a season turn, turn, turn in your head right now, right? By the birds, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And when we listen to those different lists, some of those make us feel a little uncomfortable. Some of us would go, oh yeah, we want the time to love and the time to plant and a time to gather, a time of good. We want all of the spring and the summer, the, 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 the better seasons, we want those all the time. And yet we don't always recognize that it's because of the transition of fall. And it's because of the loss and the, and the way that the earth just kind of um, dies in a lot of ways during winter. It's through the fertile ground of our winters that the new seeds and the new harvest of our springs are, f- are fostered and grown. It is through our difficult seasons that we can experience and enjoy the positive ones. And yet, if you're like me, we would want to just want to hang out in the good seasons all the time. And sometimes, if we're honest, when we experience transition and loss and grief, we think that God's forgotten us. We think that either we must have done something wrong so much that he's left us, Or we start to question if he's really good and we think maybe there's something wrong with him and we flee from our faith. And there's a season in which we feel those things and that is normal. It's normal to have ebbs and flows, highs and lows. But it's how do we respond in those seasons that makes the difference. Pete Scazzaro wrote, uh, or he did a podcast um, in April of 2018 that we went through as a a leadership team uh, that's talked, it asked, what season are you in? And in this podcast, he unpacks the four seasons and how he sees these four spiritual seasons in our walk with God and how they can relate to the four seasons of the year. So on the next slide, we start to see that the first season, let's go back to the previous one, fall is a time of transition. That fall is when we start to see it's a brand new school year. We have brand new teachers. We're meeting new people if our kids are getting involved in different activities. And so it's a time in which we start to see the leaves actually change colors. And we think, oh, how beautiful that those green leaves have turned orange and yellow and it's this beautiful fall. And it's like, yeah, but that transition happens because they're dying, right? And then they're going to fall to the ground. And so we can find beauty in transition. We can find beauty in the loss and yet... It's through fall that we get ready for winter, which is a time of grief or death. And of course, this can mean a a literal death that we're losing someone and we're mourning, of course. But it can also just be the death of a, a season. It could be a grief over how things once were and they're not that way anymore. We try to hold on so tightly to summer that we fail to experience the reality of winter. And it's through the grieving and the letting go that we are more, will, more able and more apt and more ready to take hold of what God has for us in spring, because spring is a season of fruitfulness. It's a season that when, well, we don't have snow here, but when, when you start to see the cold, and then new flowers pop up and new growth occurs, and you start to hear birds singing again, and you start to experience the fruitfulness that came from the hardships of winter then they start to be fruitful and they start to come out in spring. And then we finally see in summer, it's a time of abundance or plenty because there's one harvest and we'll unpack this in future weeks, but there's a harvest that happens in spring. And then there's another harvest that happens in summer in the agricultural Hebrew uh, culture. So the point of we're looking at this from the perspective of there are things that are fruitful and then there's an abundance. Now all the crops have come in in summer and we don't have to quite plant for in the fall yet. And so we get to enjoy the time of plenty, a time where things are good, a time where we experience God's goodness and his abundance and we rejoice in it. And we sometimes feel like the summer is all too short and the winter's all too long. And yet as we'll see, not only are the seasons biblical, That that we see right here, God says, all of these things that you experience, I know about them. I see them. I'm with you in them. Your ups, your downs, your highs, your lows, your ebbs and flows, I'm here in the midst of it. So seasons are biblical, but they're also cyclical. You know, when fall comes, we're not shocked that fall exists. It's not like we went through the fall of 2021 and we think, Okay, we've done fall now. Fall is behind us. And so when fall of 22 comes, we don't go, oh my goodness, it's fall now. See, in our Western mindset, if you'll, if you'll bear with me for a few moments, in our Western mindset, we start to think of everything in a timeline. And so we think of we were born, you know, we went to this school, we got this job, we got married, or we had kids, we built a family, whatever it is, then we retired at some point, and, and then it's, it's a timeline. And so then what this mindset encourages us, or maybe subconsciously points us towards doing, is that whenever we have the same struggles, the same issues, the same hurts, the same habits, the same hang-ups, we think, why am I going through this? I've already gotten past this. So we struggle with something. We feel like we've gotten past it because it's a point in our timeline. And then when we struggle with it again, we think, why This is something that's supposed to be in my rear view. Why is it in my windshield? Why am I facing this now? Because I've passed it. And yet, friends, life, not to get all esoteric, but life is not a timeline. Yes, we can mark things by time. And we know that we get older and we celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, of course. But life in and of itself is not a linear timeline as much as it is a cyclical season. It's a seasonal cycle, I should say. So if we've struggled with something when we're at some point, and then we struggle with it again, it doesn't mean that we've gone backwards. It often means that God is trying to take us deeper. When I was younger and I struggled with depression and being suicidal in middle school and high school, it was, it was this overwhelming sense of lack of worth. It was wanting the approval of other people. It was feeling like I didn't have a purpose. It was all these things. And so I was depressed for a few years, and then it's like, oh, I got past that. That's in my rear view. And yet I still can feel, and I could still have those moments of longing for the approval of others. I can still struggle with the same roots that caused that depression, that fed into that, now, And so I can't go back and say, oh my gosh, how come I'm feeling discouraged again? Or how come I'm in a winter again? Or how come I'm feeling lost again? How come I'm wanting other people's approval again? Instead, it's saying, okay, God, you've carried me through this winter season once. You're bringing me to a winter season again. How are you diving in deeper to help me to know even further in the depths of my soul that I'm your son whom you love and with whom you are well pleased. That my identity is not in what other people think, but in what Jesus has done and who you think I am. And yet that's one example for me, but you all have cycles and seasons and struggles. When you think nothing's working out the way I want it to. Nothing is coming to fruition the way I planned. And instead of thinking we're going backwards, we need to recognize that time and life, God created seasons so that we would experience him in new ways in the familiarity and in deeper ways in the consistency. So here's, when we continue on verse 9, we're going to read 9 through 11. And it's not on the screen. Verse 11 will be on the screen, but 9 and 10 aren't. But here's what 9 says. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Now, that word burden and toil, it kind of connects. It's also the word business, like the activity. It's toil in and of itself, work in and of itself, I should say, was not the result of the fall of man. God gave a work to Adam and Eve before. So if we say, oh, work is the result of the fall, that's why I hate work. It's like, no, no, we've been created for a purpose. We've been created with the good work. We've been created to do things for the Lord. The fact that the work is hard is what the fall brought about. That your work would be toil and difficult and burdensome. So we've always been called to work, but we now have this burden, this, this toilsome work because of the fall of man. And God has said, listen, it's going to be hard now. Things won't work out the way as, as, easily as you wanted. And he says this, verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We're going to sit here for a moment because I love this idea that God has made everything beautiful in its time. God has made everything beautiful in its time, not in your time or my time, but in this time that he has appointed as the right time. Now, we just finished July, and and I want to quickly add— well, not just finished. We're almost done with August, which is scary. But how many of you— I know I've asked this before, but I'm going to ask it. How many of you wait until the Christmas season to listen to Christmas music? Like, I'm thinking, let's, let's define this a little bit more. Um, if, if it's after Halloween, if it's November 1st, and you listen to Christmas music, do, is, how many of you are that? It's a little too early for me personally, but we all have our seasons turn, turn, turn. Um, but for me, it's like after Thanksgiving. That's when I want to listen to it. Now, here's, do, do, can I enjoy Christmas music? Uh, Throughout the year, sure But if I were to come in here And if in the middle of July I'm like, we are doing our Advent series Through Christmas We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus We're going to have a Christmas tree up here We're going to have all the decorations And I tried to force Christmas in July Would that feel awkward? Some of you are like, no Because Christmas is the best But for me, it would be a little awkward It would be trying to force a season When it's not in the right time In the same way, if I know that it's going to be hot outside, I don't wear like an overcoat and and, and an ashunka, which is one of those like hats that has like the the furry things all over it. I don't wear that when I know it's going to be hot outside. I also don't wear just a tank top and swim trunks when I know it's going to be 50 degrees outside. Knowing what season we're in and how to approach it, how to enter into it, and how to navigate it, allows us to experience the beauty that God has in his time. It allows us to be better prepared for whatever we're going to face, and it allows us to experience the purpose for each season. None of these seasons are without purpose. We need the abundance of summer to get us through the difficulties of fall and winter. We need the transition time of fall in order to have the harvest season, or excuse me, the water, the autumn rains that help the plants and the seeds take root. We need the winter and the transition of of grief and loss because every field needs a fallow period when it comes to agriculture. Every field needs a time of quiet and rest before fruition can come. We need the spring fruitfulness to encourage us and to remind us that there's a purpose in winter and because we need to enter into spring and summer all over again. He has made everything beautiful in its time, in his time, not ours. So if you are in the midst of winter and you're like, Lord, I'm going to force summer to happen. I'm just going to make it so there's abundance. I'm going to make it so I'm going to shortchange the process of what you want to do in and through me. And because of that, I'm going to miss out on the true blessings of a real spring and summer because I hate winter. And if that's you, it's, it's an acknowledgement that God will make even winter beautiful in its time, but winter may not feel beautiful until we see the fruit of it in spring and summer. He's also set eternity in the human heart. And then C.S. Lewis talks about that if there's a longing in our hearts that is not meant for this world or not fulfilled in this world, the most logical conclusion is that we were made for another world. We are made for eternity. We have these longings for things that we cannot get fulfilled here. Longing for purpose, for meaning, to know our origin, to know why we exist. And all of those, friends, we could try to pursue them through approval of others or success or money or control or all these different things, and yet none of those things will suffice. The only way we can find our meaning and our purpose and our hope is through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's through understanding our purpose and our hope and our meaning and our origin through God's word. Some of us are in a season where that makes a lot of sense, and some of us are in a season where even now you're like, I don't believe that to be true, and that's normal for us to wrestle with these things. But when we wrestle with them, will we run to God with them? That is the mark of us leaning into our seasons and allowing us to make it to see how God makes it beautiful in its time. I want to give you a quick idea of where we're going in the rest of the series, and then we'll tie it together. It's not a separate part of the sermon, but um, we're gonna be looking at an idea, we're gonna spend the next four weeks through the book of Psalms. We're going to specifically look at the Psalms of David, because in Psalm 31, 14, and 15, he says, Lord, I trust you, and I know that my times are in your hands. Remember that word time and seasons. It's all connected. My time and seasons are in your hands. We're going to take the next four weeks looking at Psalms that will explain David's experience in summer, abundance and blessing. Take his experience looking at fall when things are transitioning and he's a little confused. We're going to take a look at David's psalms in which he's in the experience of winter and loss and grief. And then take a moment to look at the psalm of David in which he is experiencing spring and new birth. But what I want to do is give you a little bit of a context, a little bit of structure through which we're going to view the book of Psalms in our season series. Now, there's a book called The Spirituality of the Psalms by Walter Brueggemann. And so there's a picture right here. Um, this is a book that I read a few years ago, and, and I've kept it, and I think it's got a lot of fruit to it. I may have mentioned some of these terms before in previous sermons, but we're going to do a proper um, diving in over the next month together. What he talks about is that there are three different types of Psalms, and, and before you say, well, I know that there's like psalms that talk about creation, and I know there's psalms that are about um, confessing sin. I know there's psalms about thanksgiving and laments. Those are all subsets of what Brueggemann would, would propose are three specific overarching types of psalms. And here's how he unpacks that. The first is a psalms of orientation. These are the psalms in which... Everything is properly aligned with God. We see what God's word is saying. Our experience with God is accurate. We reflect what God's goodness is saying. We're like, okay, good. Like, we are oriented properly with God as our focus. We know his word is to be true. We experience his blessing. We know things are great. And so it's easy for us to have a season in which we have orientation properly towards him. On the screen, he unpacks it this way, and I want to read it uh, more directly. It says, these psalms quote, express a confident, serene settlement of faith issues and give expression to that happy settlement, to the reality that God is trustworthy and reliable, and to the decision to stake life on this particular God. These are the Psalms that point us to the beauty of God's creation, say, because God created that, I know he's created me and I can trust him. These are the psalms that say, if you follow God's word, you will see experience great blessing. And because I can trust God's word, I land on that and I say, I'm gonna stake my claim on this God and his word. There's some beautiful psalms which will in this passage or in this grouping, and we're gonna unpack one of them next week. But we also know that not all of us are always in a season of summer and things are good. We also know there are times when we experience what he would call disorientation. Not the orientation that everything is great, but on the screen it'll say number two is disorientation. And here's how he describes disorientation. This happens when there is, quote, a move from an ordered, reliable life to an existence that has somehow run amok. The Psalms give expression to that new reality of disorientation when everything in heaven and on earth seems skewed. If you follow the Lord for a number of years or any season amount of time, you'll, you start off like, yes, God is good, and I know it, and I can feel it, and I can trust him. And then prayers start being answered in ways we don't like. Tragedies strike in ways that we don't foresee. We start to experience the fact that the, there's rain and storms and our lives are now starting to feel like they're being built on shifting sand or we're starting to feel like what we thought we knew about God doesn't match my current reality. The faithfulness of God, I, I know I believe it to be true and I believe it to be true, but when we're in this season of disorientation, it's when up is down and forward is backward and, and it feels like we're all over the place and things have run amok. When I was, uh, I think about 10, 11 years old, I went boogie boarding um, up in uh, Santa Cruz area, in the Bay area. And I remember going boogie boarding one time and you know, I had the, the strap attached to my ankle. And as I was going on one of the waves, I remember one time I just crashed the wrong way and it was only for a moment. But for that moment, I was under the water. I didn't know which way was up. And the moment I tried to pop my head out in order to be able to breathe, the boogie board had been on top of my head and I all of a sudden just felt like I didn't know which way was up. And of course, it only lasted a moment. But in that moment can fill a lot of panic and anxiety and concern and fear. Our seasons that we experience They're longer than a moment. But feeling that time when we don't know which way is up and we don't know if the God, we we know we've trusted before. Can we still trust him? One of the beauties of the book of Psalms is that it allows for all these different types of Psalms that are laments, that are crying out to God, that are anger with God. Because the point is these Psalms show us what real life can be like when we struggle. We are disoriented. We don't know which way is up. And yet the beauty of the Psalms is that it shows us the importance of when we feel those things. Not if, because this is a season that we will all experience. When we feel those disorientation, that we run to God in prayer with it. We just say, God, I don't get it, and I'm frankly really angry at you right now. God, how come you said this was going to happen and your word said this and then yet none of it has happened? God, how come you can't heal when your word says you can? God, how come you can't fix a relationship when your word says you can? God, how come why up is down, down is up and I feel completely disoriented? The only loss that comes in disorientation is not from the feeling of disorientation. The only loss comes when we don't come to God in our disorientation because then it's like we've crashed and we've allowed the boogie board to stay above our heads and we don't find a way out. It's like we've allowed the storm to become our home rather than to run to God and say, Jesus, you're asleep in the middle of the storm. Can you fix this? Help us, we're dying. And it may feel like Jesus is asleep in the storm of your life right now just like he was with the disciples in Luke. But he can wake up, and in his time, and in its time, he can make the storm into something beautiful. So there's psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation. And then lastly, and here's the cyclical nature of it, psalms of new orientation, according to Brueggemann. Psalms of new orientation are described in this way. This happens when a second move occurs, quote, from disorientation to new orientation. That is, the Psalms regularly bear witness to the surprising gift of new life, just when none had been expected. That new orientation is not a return to the old stable orientation, for there is no such going back. In other words, it's the idea that a tree that has roots and then faces the wind, that through the wind, the roots go deeper and get stronger and has greater stability. It's not the same tree that it once was. It's stronger than it once was. It's deeper than it once was. And it's more prepared for the next set of winds than it once was. This new orientation or Psalms that show, God, here's where I was at the bottom of the pit, and yet you have brought me out, yet I will praise your name. And the relationship that is stable now is different than it was, but it's deeper. And then friends, the cyclical nature comes because then that new orientation, that new understanding of God and our relationship with him, over time will then become our regular orientation. And then friends, we will face times of being disoriented all over again. And then we will have to experience new orientation and the cycle continues. Because God, when we experience winter, he's not forgotten about us, he's taking us deeper. He's not forsaken us. He's taken us closer to him. In the same way that when we think that we are in utter darkness and we feel like we can't see the light around us, we could look at it and we could think, God, I'm in utter darkness. You have forgotten me and I forsake you because you've forsaken me. And yet, we may think the darkness is because God is so far and the truth is that the darkness may be that he is taking us under his wing and we are so close to him that we can't see the light around us, but it's from intimacy and closeness with him rather than being forsaken by him. But we won't know that until we experience these different seasons and we run to him in each season. So over the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do is we're going to look at how those psalms of orientation, disorientation, and new orientation relate to seasons in our lives. We're going to look at how summer is a season of orientation on the next slide. Things are going great. Things are awesome. And I feel like God is who he says he is. I know it. I feel it. I experience it. I live it. It's great. Then we're going to have a a sermon on fall when the transition starts. But then we're going to unpack disorientation and look at disorientation in which now it's a winter time. Now I don't feel God anymore. Instead of the warmth of of his embrace, I feel the coldness of his absence. What do I do then? And then we're going to look at the spring season and look at a psalm of new orientation. So that's going to unpack where where we're going over the next few weeks. But before I close, I want to just give one practical idea for us. That we could talk a lot about, you know, what's going on. We know that seasons are biblical. We see it here. We know that seasons are cyclical, and we're going to unpack that. But what do we do now? Because whatever season we're in, seasons are out of our control. They're biblical. They're cyclical, but they're out of our control. Here's what Ecclesiastes 3, 14 and 15 says. He says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing could be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been and whatever will be has been before and God will call the past to account. What does this mean? This shows us that we cannot control our lives. We can't control what season we are in. I want to do a quick quiz with you. Um, You don't need to raise your hands, uh, but I would love, maybe I'm going to ask 10 questions and It's a quiz, so it's yes or no. Um, Maybe make a mental mark or maybe write it down. Just uh, every point you say yes, uh, give yourself a a tally mark. Every time you say yes, we'll score later. The question is, is, are you a control freak, okay? So here's some of the questions, just thinking out loud. Do you, quote, help other people drive? Tell them what route to take, when to turn, where to park. Remind them that the traffic light has changed. Remember, just think, is that you? Do you devote a lot of attention and energy to keeping your personal environment organized? Number three, do you give people a lot of shoulds and oughts, you know, unsolicited advice, suggestions, and quote, constructive criticism? Number four, do you have lots of personal rules, routines, rituals, and ceremonies? Again, not all these are bad, but here's a few more. Number five, are you the one who takes over and orders other people around when the situation seems confused? Number six, do you like, do you, excuse me, do you dislike depending on others, accepting help from them or allowing them to do things for you? Number seven, do you insist on being right, having things done your way or having the final word? Number eight, do you over plan simple activities? Number nine, do you find it difficult to admit making mistakes, being wrong or misinformed about something or, to acknowledge, or acknowledging that you've changed your mind? And number 10, do you become angry, irritable, or anxious when someone or something makes you late, when things don't start on time or things don't go according to plan? Anyone feeling like maybe they're, you know, did anyone score uh, three or below? A couple people, not, not that many. Did anyone score uh, four to seven? Okay, how many scored eight through 10? How many of you are offended at me that I even asked this question, and therefore you'd be, you would get the extra credit of having an 11 or a 12. See, we want to control things, and here's why. We think the more things change, the more they stay the same, and yet what that means is that we can come, sometimes fall into the mindset that if we can control how things are now and stop things from changing, then the good things can stay good. We could stay in spring and summer forever. So we try to control it. Or we might think that, okay, I'm in a a winter, I'm in a struggling season. I'm going to control and force my way out of this rather than receive the beauty, the purpose, and the hope that comes and a new life that comes out of winter. I'm going to try to shortchange it. And friends, if we think we could control the seasons of our lives, it's like me walking out when it's 90 degrees coming this week and be like, I'm going to control this to be 75, sunny, and beautiful. Like, we can't control the weather I get headaches that are contingent upon barometric pressure. So there are times I wish I could control the weather. If it starts off overcast and burns off by the middle of the day, I walk in, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a headache day. And I just know it. I can't control that. So we cannot, on the screen next to us, it says, as much as we want to control many things in our lives, we cannot change our season. If you're in summer... You probably don't even wanna change your season, but you're not. You can't change it if you wanted. If you're in fall and you're trying to make it through this transition, like let's get this transition through quickly. We can't control it, we can't change our season. If you're in winter or spring, the same thing remains. But here's the practical part. We cannot change which season we're in. But as the next slide says, we cannot change our seasons, but one thing we can change is how we respond. How do we respond? in the midst of blessing in summer. Is it like we talked about from a Philippians 4 a few weeks ago that Paul or C.H. Spurgeon talks about based on verse 12 of Philippians 4 that I know what it's like to have plenty and that's actually harder for a relationship with God. When things are going well, I forget God. I get satisfied with earth and forget heaven. How do I respond when there's blessing around me? How do I respond when transition comes and I don't like change? How do I respond when winter comes? Do I run from God or run to him? How do I respond when spring comes? Do I think the new life is my own doing? Or is it because I've remained in the vine and he's starting to bear fruit? So there are things we can change, there are things we can't. And so a prayer that is very famous that I would encourage you all to maybe pray if you're in the midst of a specifically difficult season is the serenity prayer that says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We can't change our seasons, but we can change how we respond to them. And friends, we started off with a satirical, pessimistic uh, phrase. The more things change, the more they stay the same. But friends, if I can encourage you with anything today, yes, it's that seasons are biblical and cyclical and they're out of our control, but... Friends, the more things change in our lives, the truth is the more God stays the same. He is the same. He is the alpha, the omega, he is the beginning, he is the end. He is with you just as much in the winter as he is in your summer. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. You can be strong and courageous and not be terrified or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You can trust in him with all your own heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will hem you in before, he will hem you in behind. He will walk with you and be with you and guide you and meet you wherever you are, whatever you're feeling and whatever season you are in. You are never too far from God. His arm is never too short to be able to not reach you unless you decide that you're just going to walk away and not run to him in the seasons, but flee. And even when you run, the moment you turn back, he welcomes you with open arms. The more things change, the more God stays the same. His love, his purpose for you, and the hope we have in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each person who is part of our services today. And I pray, God, that even as we're unpacking different seasons, Lord, that you would be stirring Holy Spirit into them and saying, helping them to know which season they're in, that you would be guiding them to say, this is where you are, my son. This is where you are, my daughter. And here's where I'll take you. Lord, may we thank you for the fact that there is a season and a time for everything and yet all of those seasons, the good and the bad, they're not forever, but your love is forever. May we lean into you this morning. May we lean into whatever season we're experiencing now. May we draw closer to you and know that as we're experiencing this cycle of seasons that you're taking us deeper than we've ever been in our relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember, you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.